What's up, travelers? PA Traveler is back. After a one-year-long hiatus, it's going to be really weird for the people that listen to episode five and now they listen to episode six and they'll be like, did you ever leave? I'm confused. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I have been gone for a year, essentially, and uh, I am here with a very special guest this evening. It's my sister who also co-wrote uh, all the episode from the pilot episode that you guys have seen clips of on Facebook and, you know, whatever else. So, Amy. Hello. How's it going? Thank you for writing my voiceover for me. Oh, you're welcome. It was fun. My student said I made you sound like me. So that's kind of fun and well, awkward. That's unfortunate. I know. <laughs> <laughs> for all involved. Um, <laughs> so uh, tonight, we're going to be talking to Amy about Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania. I know we did Altoona. And this one will kind of go hand in hand with that. Um, I usually would go around the state a little further, but unfortunately, Amy's the only guest I could get after a one-year layoff. So you got to take what you can get, right? I'm I'm so sorry. <laughs> what what a lit down already. Um, okay, so I'm just kidding. So Amy, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself and what you do in Holidaysburg and why you're qualified to discuss such a place. Sure. Uh, I'm Amy Dodson. Uh, I have been teaching in Holidaysburg for 11 years now. So uh, I know quite a bit about the community and the local history. And um, my students and I were also heavily involved with a local preservation project uh, that we're going to talk about a little bit today to um, to preserve a flag for the Civil War, um, a Union flag that was carried uh, in several battles. And so that's something that we can talk a lot about. Um, I'm in the middle of researching that um, for an upcoming book eventually, maybe, possibly, probably. Is that a tease for something that's going to happen? Uh, yeah, eventually. Okay. There you go, traveler. <laughs> you got a tease already. Uh, year long hiatus. And we have teases already. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Cause it's pretty important to the history of Holidaysburg, is it not? It is. It really is. Uh, and it's hard to tell where to begin with the story. Uh, I could begin with the Civil War itself, but I should probably actually begin with the flag. So this flag, and uh, there's a picture of it right here. This is what it looked like before it was preserved. Um, these are some boards that were made from the research that we did. And um, so what happened with the flag is it was carried through the Civil War. Guys brought it home. Um, a gentleman named Michael Halloran had it unfortunately glued to a piece of poster board under a uh, under glass uh, to preserve it, uh, which would have been good. And it was the best he could do at the time. But the glue was acidic and it was starting to eat the flag. Um, and so it was it was displayed for a while um, in different places uh, and then eventually given to the Hollidaysburg High School in the 1930s. And in the 1930s, they put it on display. It was there for a while. Uh, and then somebody took it down somewhere. And in the 70s, so fast forward 40 years, in the 1970s, some guys showed up to talk to the librarian and they they said, you know, I want to see the flag before I die. And she said, what flag? Here it had, it had been taken off display. She asked around and the the head janitor at the time, uh, a gentleman named Bill Mormer, Marmer. I don't know exact pronunciation of his name, um, but he said, oh, yeah, there's this old Civil War flag. And they said to take it down and throw it away. But I hid it in my office. Like, 
it could have been lost forever. Um, but what happened is the the librarian put it back on display and um, Hollidaysburg got a new high school. It was there for a while until the mid 90s. Um, and then they decided that the condition was deteriorating too much. And so fast forward to the mid 2010s, my students and I decided to um, work with the, the Hollidaysburg Foundation and the school district and raise the funds to have it professionally conserved. And so we did that. Um, and to put it back on display in the condition that it should have been. So it's a, this is a very cool project. And the history of the flag itself is pretty fascinating, too. Well, that's what I was just going to say. What is the actual history behind it? Like, why sure. why is it not just a piece of broken down material that glue moths ate? <laughs> glue moths? <laughs> yeah, it's a new thing. Acidic glue? <laughs> oh, uh, with murder hornets, I'm not surprised if we have glue moths. <laughs> Yeah, well, there are people that just discovered an asteroid that's going to kill everything in one million years. So I think ah. we'll be, you know, we're, we're not going to see it, I don't think. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> we won't live to see it. I, but I read the title and I'm like, what else is happening? <laughs> an asteroid's coming now? Disaster bingo. Um, so why is it so interesting? Well, um, do you know the, the history of Pennsylvania and the Civil War at all? You mean like Gettysburg? Before that, I bet you pretty much every single person would just be like Gettysburg. Gettysburg. Yeah, there, it's like there's what, something else. Yeah, what other <laughs> Pennsylvania battles were there? Okay, so go back to 1861, and in 1861, President Lincoln um, had secession to deal with. He didn't really know how, so he called the state militias up for 90 days of service. They called them the 90 Days Men, and a bunch of guys from Hollidaysburg volunteered, and they were all excited, and they were wearing fancy clothes, and they had a parade, and they went to war, and they never made it past Harrisburg. They never actually saw action. Their term expired. They got shipped back to Hollidaysburg, and all these people were making fun of them, which is kind of sad uh, because it wasn't really their fault. But um, they never saw battle. They never really did anything but train a little bit. Uh, they had a little throwdown with the Tyrone Cavalry, and that's about it. Uh, it just in practice, they were like – maneuvering and kind of play fighting each other. Um, and so they got sent back and uh, we do have some newspaper articles making fun of these guys and uh, a couple of newspaper articles firing back. Well, some of them reformed a new unit and uh, they gave themselves, you know, the, the fancy name of the Blair County sharpshooters. Uh, but eventually they got rebranded as the 62nd PA company M. And what's weird about that is like, there's not normally a company M but uh, somebody had to throw them in somewhere. And so uh, the 62nd ended up with an extra company. And why they only they only go to a certain like L and then they go to the next number. Is that what you're uh, saying? Well, typically they just fit them in with whatever regiment uh, they could, whatever regiment they had space for. But this one was just trying to fill itself. Actually, most of the 62nd PA is from Pittsburgh. And there's one random Blair County unit in it. And that's company M. And so before these guys left for war for real, so the first time they signed a 90-day enlistment, this time it was a three-year enlistment. So they were going for a really long time. Um, these women in Hollidaysburg threw a ball for the soldiers that were leaving. And we don't know anything about them. Um, they're just referred to as the energetic young ladies of Hollidaysburg. Uh, but that's all I've been able to find. I don't know anything about who they were. Uh, but they threw them a ball in the old town hall, and they had raised a bunch of money to buy a silk flag for the soldiers to carry into the battle. Um, and you have to understand, in the Civil War, uh, your battle flag is the soul of your unit. 
And what we're not talking about is the battle flag. Um, this is actually a guide on flag, a little flag that would mark kind of where the end of the company was or where the end of the regiment was. Uh, so it's much smaller. The actual battle flag is in soldiers and sailors in Pittsburgh. But this is like a little one. And um, so they asked for volunteers. And um, when they asked for volunteers, they, they got them. And so one of the soldiers came forth and he said, you know what, I'll carry this into battle. Um, and I will, you know, I'll take it out and I'll take it back home again. And he did. Actually, surprisingly, um, made it through the entire war, the whole three year term that he had to serve um, and then reenlisted. And so um, as they're they're going into various battles. There's all kinds of like kind of goofball things happen. So we do have a, a newspaper article where uh, some of the soldiers from the 62nd went out, like snuck out off of their patrol looking for food and they didn't take any guns with them and they got captured. And uh, so, yeah, uh, there was a, a, a letter written home where he's like, well, they kind of deserved it. Um, you know, he basically said that, uh, there'll be better men to take their place. Uh, that was really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that, um, actually what's cool is I can even show you a little bit and this is a weird way to do it, but, um, you can actually see some of the articles that I'm referring to in the research that we have. Um, so for anybody that's listening on audio, since we're not just a video podcast anymore, Oh, we're not. <laughs> uh, no, we we are showing some items uh, on what what are those displays that Display you have? Boards, or... Yeah, that we that the students had researched, and then uh, a coworker of mine, um, Mike Rollins, had actually put together the formatting and some of his uh, students from the yearbook. Um, it's club. okay. You didn't know this is new. <laughs> it it was, is new. It, it is new. It was all video before. It was. Um, so Jack Mufti carried carry the flag um, into battle and then out of it. And then uh, we have all these letters home that were published in the Altoona Tribune. And they got more and more experience as they went. They were less bad at war. Um, the longer they went, the more they trained. Uh, they fought at Fredericksburg um, quite valiantly. And then if you fast forward through different battles and a lot of different experiences, um, you can see you know, them gradually becoming more cohesive as a unit, more effective as a unit, better trained as a unit. Um, what's really, really cool is in the process of doing this research, we actually found two journals specifically from Hollidaysburg men from Company M. One from First Sergeant John Garden, who um, it was archived in, in New York in the Gilder Lehrman Institute. And then uh, we found that pretty much right away. And it's a public archive. So we got a hold of that. Actually, one of the students found it. And then another student about six months later, we were doing some research on this project, found a second journal. And the second journal took us three years to track down because it had been auctioned. It had been auctioned again. It was auctioned in Gettysburg. Uh, Finally, I was calling auction houses just uh, every so often trying to track this thing down. Wait, three Um, years for high school students. So were new ones taking their place and carrying this on? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the original one found the existence of this journal. He found the records from the first auction when he was a sophomore. And we did get the journal like two weeks after he graduated. But I did let him know that it had come. I bet that was exciting for him, though. Yeah, no, it really, really was. Um, And so this journal 
actually, I don't even know where it is. Um, it's kind of an interesting story. The, the guy in charge of the auction house, the document curator called me and he said, listen, it's an auction. I can't tell you where it is. And I said, I understand. I get that. He said, but give me a letter. I'll send it to the, to the guy who bought it and see if he'll send you a copy. And I said, oh, that would be really cool. And then I kind of forgot about it. About six months passed. Uh, and then one day this this thing, I got a call from the, the school office. It was summertime. And they're like, hey, uh, a package just arrived for you. And I was like, whoa, cool. And so what it is uh, are a whole bunch of letters. And for those of you who are on video, you can kind of see what they look like. Uh, that's the copy that I got. We had to transcribe it. Uh, actually, I had some help transcribing it from volunteers from the community and uh, figure out exactly what this said. But this is not a journal. This is an account. He wrote it later. He said his journal had been ruined by water. And so he rewrote it. But it's, it's like a story. But what's really cool is that their most notable battle happened at the Battle of Gettysburg. So I have First Sergeant Garden's account. And then I have... Um, I have the Martin account, which is this one. And Martin was actually the, a ranking officer. He was um, he was ahead of Garden in this particular battle. And what you see or what we knew was that they were in one of the most chaotic places to fight in in the Battle of Gettysburg. They were in the wheat field. And the wheat field is sometimes referred to as the vortex because it was taken back and forth, back and forth by different sides. They were swirling around. There was hand-to-hand -hand fighting. And at the end of the day, when the smoke cleared, the 62nd PA, Company M, was divided. Half of them got pulled out of the wheat field and rescued. Half of them got captured by Longstreet's division. And so one half goes home. The other half goes to a prison camp in the south. Garden's Journal is, uh, is part of the group, or Sergeant Garden is part of the group that stays home. Um, the future Lieutenant Martin, although he wasn't a lieutenant in this battle, but he became one later, um, gets captured and gets sent off uh, to a prison camp that's actually run by the guy who's going to be eventually hanged for his crimes against, you know, his fellow man at Andersonville. And he's the one running this prison camp. And so you, we can actually, what's really cool, follow both sides, both units, and kind of both of their destinies after this one battle, which is pretty cool. Now, the flag doesn't get captured. It stays with Jack Mufti. And um, they continue to fight. And eventually, most of um, Company M survives. They are paroled. They are sent back. They rejoin the unit. And they continue to fight until the unit is disbanded uh, a little bit later. Uh, they don't make it the whole way to the end of the war. The unit, like the 62nd doesn't exist until the end of the war, which wasn't uncommon. Um, and a lot of them rolled into the 91st Company K. But, um, you know, they had a choice whether to go home or stay. And a lot chose to stay and finish the war, which is kind of interesting. Um but the flag itself is never captured. The flag itself um, eventually goes home with the original soldiers. And then after the war, uh, you can really see them struggling with how to remember this, what to do with it. I have some of their letters and they just, they so much wanted to be remembered. They wanted their accomplishments to be remembered. They wanted it to be, the flag to be displayed in some kind of public place as their remembrance. I actually have uh, a letter to the editor that was published in the Altoona Tribune that basically said like, can't somebody research this unit? Can't someone write down their story? You know, most of them are dead. Um, can't somebody save this history? And when I found it, it was chilling. And I shared it with my students and I'm just like, hey, look, it's us. A hundred years ago, somebody said, can't someone tell this story? And I'm like, we are we're a little late but we are 
And um, so that makes it just this tangible item. And it's so connected to the history of the actual unit itself. It's telling the story for them uh, in, a, in a really powerful way. Yeah, it sounds like an episode of Veronica Mars or something. You guys sleuthed and you got to the bottom of it, right? Oh my gosh, there was so much sleuth work. It's not even funny, especially that second journal, the Robert and Martin journal. Uh, that thing was well hidden, <laughs> but finding it was the coolest thing. And he actually has, so um, we talked a lot about the the Battle of the Wheatfield and stuff. Um, he actually had written a letter right as they were going into battle before he's captured, uh, before they lose a lot of people. Um, and he, he's, you know, just sat down. He's like, I'm sitting by a stone wall. I think we're going into battle soon. And he wrote like his thoughts and feelings on that. And then he was in the middle of this really intense, really violent, horrific battle, like 20 minutes later. And that is rare. That is an extremely rare find. That's like getting a glimpse since obviously back then there was no cameras on the battlefield or anything no. like that. You can see the before and after. Because then you could track his journal and the day after. The other cool thing that's maybe worth mentioning about the journals themselves is that like you take the garden journal, which is the first one that we found. Very neat printing. For somebody of his era, he must have been like, I don't know where he was educated, but his spelling's perfect. His handwriting's even like everything's neat. But the day of the battle that he fought in Gettysburg, um, you can actually see he, he wrote in his journal like he fought all day guys are dying left and right it's violent it's bloody and then he gets back to camp half his unit got captured and he just sits down and writes in his journal why i, I can only assume because that's his routine that's familiar maybe it's comforting i don't know but it is the only time that i've seen in his journal so far that he has spelling mistakes he has spelling mistakes his handwriting is all over the place it's loopy it's weird it's not even like it normally is and like you can see it. And that's as close to being there as I'm ever going to get. You know, it's as close to understanding what that does to somebody, what that does to a person. And I found that so powerful. When I opened that page, like, um, I almost started crying <laughs> just because you can see what this what this young man had been through. And that's a really powerful moment. So it's worth mentioning. The journals are very, very cool artifacts. Um, and that's the subject of what I'm trying to get written down and published eventually. But what are their, uh, their accounts? You mean part parts of their accounts, what they mean, the history of the unit, and then the history of, of, you know, the community involvement and where it went. Um, because all these guys stories are are wound up in this Michael Holloran, who preserved it, he had fought as a drummer boy at like 15. Um, in the unit. So he was the longest to survive. And even afterwards, you know, you can actually see their their knowledge, their history being lost. Like um, they would publish accounts in the Altoona Tribune of different funerals. And they'd say, okay, this guy died. Here's the pallbearers. And I knew all the names from the research. It's it's Michael Halloran. It's Jack Mufti. It's Sergeant Garden. It's um, R.N. Martin actually went on to do really um, important things with the Pennsylvania National Guard. So he didn't show up for many of them, but he did sometimes. Um, and then as the years pass, you can see more and more funerals, fewer and fewer pallbearers, and you can actually like watch them pass away from living memory until you're down to Michael Halloran. And then the very last guy um, whose last name was Finney. And, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out what their, their legacy is and how to be remembered. And, 
they're just fading. And that's such a weird and powerful and sad thing to see. You know? And we're, we're going through that right now with the World War II veterans. You know, mm. When we were kids, you and me, they would come in and speak to our schools. And there's just so, there's fewer and fewer and fewer of them left. And I tell my students all the time, if you know someone who fought in World War II, go talk to them, interview them, because that's an opportunity that you won't have that much longer. And we're at that breaking point. Whereas I'm trying to reconstruct the last one, the last breaking point, the last moment where all that not firsthand knowledge is just gone. Um, but we're living at that right now. And I think that's a really interesting and important parallel, too. Well, it's not like there's going to be a shortage of history, right? I mean, every generation is going to have something like this, mm-hmm. something like what you're trying to do. So hopefully people carry that legacy on. But it's very small. That's your uh, legacy. Your legacy is keeping the legacies of alive, other people. right? So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hopefully people follow in your footsteps as well. I'm surprised we found what we did. It's one company. A company is the smallest possible unit of soldiers, really, uh, unless you get down to like a mess with a, a couple of people. But really, a company is like the smallest official unit. So searching for a single company and accounts from a single company, it is a needle in a stack of needles. Um, and it is really shocking that we were able to find what we did. So they preserved it. There's another journal I still want to find, but haven't found it. Well, you mentioned uh, conservation. Yes. Of the flag. So how was that done? Was that done in Pennsylvania? And, you know, what's the process look like for something uh, it, like that? It was done at the Heinz History Center. And so... Um, That's Pittsburgh, a, right? Pittsburgh, yes. Okay. Pittsburgh. So they take it out of the case that it's in. And then in this particular case, they had to get the glue off of it. But you can't just, like, remove it. You have to test out different solvents because you don't want to damage the flag in the process of you know, prying it up one strand at a time. Um, And so they did that and then they stabilized it. They also took high res scans. And so they were able to put the scan of the flag over top of the material so that you could more clearly, like you could see both. So there's like a see-through image on top and then the fibers underneath because they didn't come off the board quite perfectly because they were glued down. It was really hard. Um, And so uh, it took, oh my gosh, many, I don't know how many man hours, I, hundreds, I assume, uh, just going one little strand at a time on this thing to pry it off the board uh, and then to preserve it. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing process. Yeah, it's tedious. It is, I'm sure. Um, but it's a really worthwhile endeavor. In fact, um, the person who who had done the preservation work, um, she said when when the glass was taken off and they started to apply solvents to try to get the glue off the flag, they had to peel it up strand by strand. But she said when she put the solvents on it, she could smell gunpowder from the actual, you know, the actual Civil War. Uh, it's a testament to what they did, what they accomplished, you know, what some of them died for. And I, I think that that's a pretty powerful and fascinating thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. I mean, it's it's really cool how something has so much history attached to it, like an item, right? You just mm-hmm. you think about items, you think about, oh, this got thrown away, whatever. And what if somebody finds it one day and traces it back to you? You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> right. But it's cool that they wanted to be remembered and they weren't for a while, but now they are thanks to you and your students. That's a pretty cool thing. And that that's in the district and the foundation. I mean, a lot of people raised money for this. Well, too. I mean, Holidaysburg pulled together to remember Holidaysburg. Yes. Right. They did. 
and for more and, people to know Holidaysburg. And they raised money in a really short amount of time. We did it in under a year uh, to raise the money to have the flag conserved. It's, the community really did pull together all the major organizations. Like I said, the Holidaysburg Foundation organized all of it for us. Um, so it wasn't just my students. It was it was really the community. So, sure. but then again, it's it's not just Holidaysburg, you know, history. It's Pennsylvania history too. It is. That's the other thing that a lot of these people are going to get a kick out of, I think. So where is the flag now? Okay. So we wanted it to, we wanted to honor their wishes and have it displayed within the school. Um, but we also wanted the community to access it and they can't access the school all the time. It was kind of a, a question as to where to put this thing. Um, and so what we ended up doing was it moves between the Holidaysburg Public Library, which is right across the street, and the Holidaysburg High School. Um, and so during the school year, it's on display in our school library. Uh, during the summers, it's on display in the Holidaysburg Public Library so that anyone who wants to can go and see it and see the display boards. And it was um, it's in a big case, a big wooden case made by our local craftsmen. Um, and we also, and this is kind of a cool part of the story too, when we raised the funds or when we started raising funds, um, we held a, a dance for the community, um, very much like they had done in, in 1861. Um, and then when the funds were completed on the anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg, we took it in procession um, with members of the VFW acting as an honor guard. And um, and there were a whole bunch of other um, military organizations involved in this as well. It was really cool. Um, and we actually processed it back to Gettysburg, back across the state. And we held a ceremony in the wheat field at Gettysburg where this flag had actually fought um, to honor their memory and to honor the commemoration. And there were um, hundreds of people who showed up to see this happen because we actually returned it to the battlefield and then brought it back home to Holidaysburg again. So public, a lot of public um throughout the state, we're able to see it on the anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg, too. It's a cool moment. Yeah, that's awesome mm -hmm. that you guys did that. So is there anything else you want the people to know about this whole project? I think there's something to be said for a community coming together to preserve its own history. Um, and I think for the students uh, who have graduated long since now. Uh, most of them are almost finished with college, actually, which blows my mind. Um, but this is a project that they participated in that they haven't forgotten, that they won't forget. Um, you know, and I told them all the time, it's it's 150 years of history where this thing was created. It went through this whole process. Uh, they came home, they tried to preserve it. Uh, it was almost lost to history, but then it was saved. Uh, and now, now we really are like we are all part of it again and we are choosing to carry on our own history uh, and to preserve it in a way that I think is really important to honor the memories of you know of people who who fought this war people who fought to preserve the union um, and I, I think that that's a really important story to tell because otherwise you forget but it's really cool to see high school students who you know, you hear negative things all the time that high school students don't value history or they don't honor the history of the community. I can prove that that's not the case. And I think that's a pretty cool thing, too. It's it's a testament to what the community and the young people of Holidaysburg could do. And I think that's pretty neat. So on that note, I've realized just how rusty I really am at this travel podcast thing. I kind of didn't even say like where Holidaysburg is. Or anything like that. So I figured, you know, I, I I pulled up the shooting script for our pilot, the travel show pilot, and 
I'm just going to read some little bits off because it's been a while. Uh, (laughs) So um, Holidaysburg is located near the center of the state. It's seven miles south of Altoona, two hours to Pittsburgh and under four from Philly. And it's kind of right along the turnpike ish. Right. It's a little little bit north of that. A bit north. Yeah. So it's it's pretty easy to get to. And it's a great little uh, town or borough, I should say. Right. It's a borough. It's a borough. And um, it's the county seat of Blair County, which goes to show you that it's a nice little town, right? I don't know too many uh, county seats that are bad, right? No. Most of the time, they're the greatest. So that tells you what that's like. Um, Holidaysburg was established in 1796, and it got its name from the Irish immigrant brothers, Adam and William Holiday. Uh, They pioneered the land after fleeing the German and Irish feuds in Lancaster. That's all we know about it. How about you? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that pretty much covers it. So, Amy, during our time in Holidaysburg, while we were shooting and things, why don't we tell the people who haven't seen any of the clips or anything like that exactly what it was that we visited? I think it's kind of where we're at because you're, yeah. you're not a Holidaysburg native, but you might as well be. Almost being, yeah. being in Altoona. So um, we can just talk about our experience of things that we've done in Holidaysburg ourselves. Um, where do you want to start? Oh, where, goodness. Uh, where, where's your favorite place to eat? My favorite place to eat. Let's see. Um, I really like the creamery. The, the creperie. <laughs> the creperie. Allegheny Creamery <laughs> and Crepes. And crepes. Yes. Yep. Uh, that has been my favorite since it opened. Uh, and I was there probably the first week that it opened. Um, so that is a, a favorite spot of mine for sure. Um, what do you like about it? Uh, I like the food. It's really fresh. It's different from other food that can be gotten around here. Um, it's really unique. And also I, I like the fact that you can eat outside or there's all these, uh, it's, it's a big old building. So there's all these little nooks and crannies in the upstairs that you can eat in, in the building, you know, just sit off to the side and just like chill out in a little booth um or sit by a you know propane fireplace and kind of just have an atmosphere um it really does have a lot of atmosphere in there yeah that's my favorite thing about it i think uh plus like you said there are so many different places to sit but it's like you can either sit out front outside Mm -hmm. kind of european style right you've been to europe very much i've never been to europe but is that what it reminds you of it really does remind me of cafe culture a little bit of being able to just go outside and, you know, relax and sit for a while. Um, you know, and people aren't necessarily going to be breathing down your neck all the time. You know, um, the service is, is great here, but like you can definitely sit and relax in, in the outdoor patio space. Um, it's not super, you know, it, it gets crowded, but it doesn't feel crowded. If yeah. That makes sense. Cause I, there's I different agree with places that. to go. Yeah. yeah. Cause you could either, you could go up to the, the upstairs, which is laid out really interesting. And you have the downstairs where you can look right into the kitchen. So you can see the people like preparing, you know, the food and everything like that. The crepes with the little yeah. wand. Yeah. Spin. Yeah, yeah. So it just gives you that whole, I don't know. There's something about the vibe mm-hmm. that I just, it's an aw- I just dig there. Um, it's an awesome vibe. Like I said, there's a ton of people sometimes, but it never feels crowded because there's, there's like all those little spaces. Yeah. What others? Now I really want their their flatbread. The barbecue chicken flatbread? The barbecue chicken flatbread. <laughs> yeah, we discovered that together. 
if we did that's not what i ate in the pilot episode and what i had was really good it was the uh chinese chicken uh crepe which crepes are really interesting in themselves that's not something you usually get almost anywhere and we have it in central pa there i get the turkey and gouda crepe all the time during in services when i work yeah i love crepes um u.s hotel u.s hotel right that's they, another one yeah oh my gosh they have a, a fascinating ambiance too like they've got this old bar on one side and it's got like a, a a spittoon with water in it that was in your pilot episode wasn't it yeah yeah and it, it used to be just like a place where they would spit tobacco or whatever they could turn on a little fountain and the water would just wash it down well the cool thing <laughs> is still it works. still works yeah i mean there's big glass mirrors and it just feels like you have transported yourself into a different area um but they also have a bunch of little rooms too which makes it feel really private and really um you know, kind of a, just kind of an intimate setting where you can sit down and talk with somebody for a while. Um, and the food's good. Food's really good. Yeah, um, you can feel the history when you yeah, walk in. You really can. It, that's a building with a long history and they've done a lot with it. I mean, it's, it's in great condition uh, for a building of its age, but they also built a whole new ballroom and entertainment area that people use for weddings. And I've been to events there um, more than once with like actual, you know, large group space. Um, it's got like a balcony that you can sit on to. It's, it's really cool. Well, that's a pretty recent addition to it. I'm not sure when he put that in, but. Um, and one of the best parts, it's supposedly haunted. Oh, yes. That's my favorite thing about it. Because when you walk in, you go, yeah, this looks haunted. <laughs> looks like it could this, be. This feels haunted. It's like, we're not the only ones still sticking around this history, right? Right. But um, yeah, I love the burger there. Mm-hmm. Is that it's what you usually... Burger. That in the um, macaroni and cheese? Oh, I love the mac and cheese. No, see, I usually I don't go like for the mac fish. and cheese, and I like their mac and cheese. I usually go for the fish and the mac and cheese. Okay. Well, there you it's- go. It's very, um, oh my gosh, you got like the little crunchy stuff on top, um, like a panko kind of topping or something. It's, it's awesome. The wings are good too. Oh yes. The wings. Yeah. I would recommend those. Actually, uh, I'll be honest with you. I eat it there fairly regularly. If I want like a, a nicer place to sit down and have some food with friends or whatever. Um, and I've not had a bad meal there. I really have liked everything I've had and it's always got a little twist to it. Um, you know, it's like. Uh, your your standard tavern food but with a with a twist you know with updates to it which i really appreciate it's not just like like the hamburger is not meat slapped on a bun it's it's got like i think it's a brioche bun that they do yeah 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 they always change it up a little bit huh yeah and like a nice you know a higher end cheese is not like a slice of american cheese slapped on a burger on a on a white bread bun (laughs) You foodie. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> you might want to stop sticking your nose up so in the air. <laughs> Snob. <laughs> um, so what oh, I guess uh, real quick, what we touched on, too, is the desserts that were at the dream. Mm, if you're yeah, looking yeah. to like, you know, hot places, uh, because each of the places we've mentioned is so vastly different. You know, there's. Yeah. uh there's something at each one that will appeal to you. Yes. So I, I would like to say the pies and those things when you walk in uh, to the dream, that's 
That's what really makes that to me. At least when you walk in, that's what you see first. So you're it's like, whoa, that's amazing, right? And then their food, their menu is huge too. That, that's a, like, a big what, thing. Four page? No, four page it's menu. probably more than that. More than that? I felt like I just kept flipping and flipping and flipping. <laughs> and a lot of it, like, I, I like simple dishes there. They have a lot of, you know, Amish inspired and um old school pennsylvania yeah like pennsylvania dutchish mm-hmm. and it's just home cooking at its finest it's the only place i know of where you can get liver and onions on the menu i could be wrong about that but... i mean that sounds right to me you don't see that mm-hmm. too often no i know they have it i made my world war ii kids eat liver and onions they uh, still haven't forgiven me oh well I mean, that sounds gross to me, too, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I, I've never had it. To be fair, I've never had it, so uh, I can't really speak to it. I'm sorry. That's totally distracting. <laughs> uh, um, outdoors in the area. I mean, that, that really covers them for food. If they want to go outdoors, hiking, etc., where are we going to send them? Well, if you're going to eat at the Dream and eat the pie, then you need to climb a big hill, yep. I think. Um, I'm perfectly convinced of that i agree with that that's probably a good idea for your health yeah yeah uh because the pie is amazing the boston cream pie by the way my favorite i top, don't know about you top notch oh my gosh have you ever had it no boston cream it's got like really like nicely textured cake and then it's just got like chocolate on top of it i mean like that's one of those if you have a bad day and you really need you know some <laughs> fattening desserts that is the dessert man that is just like that's amy's gallon of ice cream is that that's what you're my saying gallon of ice cream. I, <laughs> don't give me the gallon of ice cream give me a slice of boston cream pie just from there like it has to be from there that's that's it anyway so where are you that, walking up this hill we're walking up this hill uh at chimney rocks and uh chimney rocks is a pretty historic site uh it was known as like a, a lookout point and an overlook um known to be used by different native american groups that were in the area but also used by uh settlers as well to kind of keep an eye on things and to you know look out for the i mean that's the perfect watchtower that you can imagine Mm -hmm. and everyone who who pulls up who's new don't just go to the bottom lookout Mm -mm, you'll you'll think oh okay this is it no it's not uh there's actually this weird looking trail thing and it goes pretty much straight up and that's they're, that's they're what you're going to want to take because you get to a second overlook and the first one's nothing to sneeze at but the second one that's the way to go mm-hmm. so yeah you could pretty much see everything and all the towns over and everything yeah you want to see pennsylvania landscape that is the place to be it's one of the nicest outlooks i know of but you got to walk what is it, probably about half a mile straight up uh yeah maybe a quarter mile it might not be half yeah, it gets the uh, quads and glutes and hamstrings burning. That's for sure. Resolves Wait, any cause, regret. Because going up, you, you also have to have the down, right? And yes. you have to keep yourself from running at a thousand miles an hour and tripping over yourself. So you got to keep yourself upright. Or as I would say, resolution from any guilt from bo- the Boston cream pie. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, aside from there, just down the road is canoe creek state park well yeah if you get really hot walking up the big hill then you got to go jump in a lake good transition i see what you did there yeah (laughs) exactly so it's uh covering 950 acres 
and it features a 155-acre lake. This is a perfect weekend destination in itself because they have everything there. They have swimming. You can bike and hike and everything like that. Um, disc golf. Disc golf, yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing the disc golf little segment. I believe that, <laughs> that was installed. Had. By Holidaysburg students, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty well, sure they've done well, a lot of work out, out there. I mean, even at Shawnee Park down this way, like there's a lot of disc golf happening at all these state parks, and why not? Right? You have all these right. open grass fields. It's like you might as well get a little kick out of it, right? Instead of all the ticks, get your <laughs> kicks instead of ticks, right? Wow! Boom! <laughs> um, you can no, even horseback ride. If you own one. So hitch up your trailer, get your horse in, bring it down. Horses will not be provided, but there's lots of trails that I'm pretty sure only horses can go on. I That may be false, but there's I've also a- um, something that we didn't cover in the episode, which was uh, going to their, the bat church area oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. where all the bats hang out. So there's like, well, they a- don't, abandoned anymore. chapel that they don't Mm-mm. well i thought the they colony. were i thought they were coming back because they got there's over a, there's a few now the colony has somewhat recovered right because they had what was it uh white, white, white nose, nose syndrome yeah yeah they that, killed did you know 90 percent of bats in pennsylvania really yeah i just found that out i was in a cave and they told me of 90%. all all bats in Pennsylvania, yeah. In the whole state? In the whole state. Like, not just our area? No, they got wiped out. But oh. the ones that survived are immune now, so they're starting to recover. Oh, well, that's good It's going to take a while. But, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. It's bad, too. They eat so many mosquitoes, and now they're not. Well, yeah, that's really unfortunate. I mean, I was really sad to hear about them being decimated, but I didn't know it was that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy cow. But they're coming back. And And stronger than before. Right. And maybe you'll be able to see them soon. I I don't think they were letting anybody in to see them, but maybe they'll have like a conservation thing. They were trying to protect the colony, but the colony got in anyway. Mm -hmm. But possibly if you do see bats, uh, you could be staying overnight. So there they have cabins that I like. I think they are nice cabins. Mm. i was just gonna say uh there's also paddle boats you can rent um little kayaks and things like that it's a good way to explore the lake uh or in your case to ride in circles paddle boats are brutal (laughs) especially (laughs) when you're riding with somebody that won't help you (laughs) you didn't you didn't do good with the paddle boats well what are you supposed to do when you're alone and you're <laughs> you're just gonna keep going in circles. <laughs> you're gonna go in circles. <laughs> I'm I'm a novice. I can't really say otherwise. <laughs> you are not a champion paddle boater. No. So Central Pennsylvania is known really well for trains, and they have one of the coolest train rides I've been on. It's the Everett Railroad. And uh, do you want to tell people a little bit about the Everett Railroad where it goes? Sure. Um, So the Everett Railroad goes from Hollidaysburg over to Roaring Spring um, and then turns around and comes back, uh, actually decouples and then like switches, which is really cool. Um, Yeah, because it only goes one uh, way and then it has to like 
be spun. It has to. Well, it's not spun around, right? Right. It's, the front of the train is put on the back of the train and pulls it the other direction. Right. And right. pulls the other direction. Although, if you check out the footage, we actually have footage of it uncoupling because we accidentally lost our father on the train. Yep. That was unfortunate. <laughs> but he got to see something most people don't get to see. Yeah. So, whoops. Happy accident. It was also <laughs> funny because he had no idea how to work the camera and still somehow managed to capture it anyway. I know. Thanks, Dad. Shout out. Uh, what do they have there? They have Richie's. Yes, they have ice cream, um, which they sell to um, you know, raise money for conservation efforts. And uh, I think you have a little bit about that, but I don't remember exactly what it. What I have, I had White House. Yeah, you had White House. I feel distinguished when I eat White House. Why? Like I'm a cultured gentleman. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just like this tastes like respectability. <laughs> yeah very respectable except you snapped a spoon in half yeah we don't have to talk about that (laughs) but i will if you make me i still laugh every time i think about it it was so funny you were acting all serious and all distinguished and all fancy and then you snapped the spoon i'm just lucky a shard didn't go my eyeball i died laughing so everyone if you go on that train ride let it melt a little bit because that's dangerous buzz and then you proceeded to eat the rest of it with just the spoon part. <laughs> you know, we make do on PA Traveler. I'm pretty Respect- sure. I'm pretty sure that's what I said. Respectability. Yep. Respectability. Dignity. So Everett Railroad is a fully functioning steam railroad. Um, there's not many engines, um, and also they need pretty regular maintenance. So a lot of the organizations that try to run steam trains don't do so successfully. Um, but they have a really good system and theirs work really well. You only get, um, I think it's a year's worth of days out of a steam engine before you have to send the engine to be rebuilt. Um, so it's really hard to run and really hard to manage. And they do an awesome job. Uh, they have restored cars. Uh, those cars have heating. They have cooling um, installed in them. And it's a pretty cool system. And, and they run the ice cream trains. They run um, Easter egg hunts that you get off the train. You go hunt. Halloween trains, I think. There's, Pumpkin patch. Yeah. Um, What? The Santa train? Mm-hmm. Santa trains are super popular. Yeah. So, and they're constantly adding more. It seems like every year they, they do a World War II reenactment. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. No matter what time of year it is, make sure you go check out the Everett Railroad. Check out their website, and uh, possibly it'll still be open. I don't think there's like a winter. Is there a winter winter train? Mm, they like do stop January running January into March. I don't think. I think the you know the Santa Claus trains are the last ones they run for the year, and then they take a break. I'm pretty sure. Um, you'd have to check me on that. But uh, they have you know students involved with the process. I, I know a couple of my former students worked for them and and learned how they worked and did some um, you know like actually that was their job. They would help run those trains, so it's pretty cool. Cool. I, I learned a lot about it that way. And something that our area isn't as well known for or Pennsylvania in general, is the canal system. Um, That was one of the coolest things to find out. If you go to Canal Basin Park, there's, um, it's called the Riser House, I believe. And that's where their office is located and everything. And if you go inside, you can learn all about how the canal system was in Pennsylvania. 
but also why Holidaysburg was such a hub for it. It was kind of like the halfway point mm-hmm. of all the canals, pretty much. So that's why Holidaysburg was like a really booming town at one point, like insanely wealthy in the area. It's the Allegheny Portage Railroad. Right. So, I mean, it does have railroad tied into it, but the canal system was really cool. Um, yeah, it, it did make Holidaysburg really wealthy. Um, but a lot of that was because we're before the era of railroads. It was before the Civil War or, or most of the Civil War. Um, and the reason why we didn't have railroads isn't that the technology didn't exist. It's that steel was too expensive to build rails. So what do you do? You dig a hole in the ground and you pull boats along. And then when you get to the mountains, you actually put them on a track and you pull it with big, big ropes over top of the mountain. Um, and each time they pulled it over the mountain, they called it an incline. Um, so there's a couple of um, trails that you can hike that aren't in the episode, but there's like something called the six to 10 trail where it goes between the sixth and the 10th incline. Um, there's an elementary school in our district that's called Foot of 10 was the foot of the 10th incline. Um, and so it's named like it's in the naming of the place, but the canal didn't exist uh, because what happens is it goes right um, right by the downtown area and a canal is filled with water, right? Do you know what else loves to live in water? Mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. Mosquitoes and bacteria. Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of people got sick. Uh, they actually had outbreaks of you know, cholera, yellow fever, like all kinds of nasty stuff. Um, and this is because of the, you know, the low lying water that was right in the middle of their town. So the canal was a problem anyway. And then very, very quickly uh, after it was dug, the railroad um, came along, you know, Andrew Carnegie invented the Bessemer process was probably too much information, but um, he invented a cheap way to make steel in Pittsburgh. So right across the state and then cheap steel flooded the local area and you had this big boom in railroads and it it killed the canal. The canal only ran for, it was a really short amount of time, like 10 years. Yeah. Now they have the gates to the canal, which is pretty cool to see. Replicas. Yeah. But obviously it's not uh, an actual canal anymore. There is a canal or a couple still in Pennsylvania. Uh, just to keep that heritage alive. I think they're pulled, aren't they pulled by donkeys? Yeah, they were. Yeah, so um, that's can be seen in actual reality elsewhere in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I just don't have it in front of me where at. We'll probably do like something on the canals because that's a really interesting topic, I think. This is actually off to the side. They filled in the canal bed and that's where they built the railroad. That's actually where the, uh, the railroad runs. So it was the ultimate replacement? Because <laughs> it was already flat, it was already there. Okay, so what are things to do on like a rainy day in uh, Holidaysburg? Well, uh, one of which comes to mind is playtime pottery. Mm-hmm. That place is cool. I see. I didn't get to go there, so you'll have to tell me about it. Oh, okay. So um, it's run by an awesome person named Kiki. She still owns it. Even even she was in the process of like becoming the owner when we shot the episode. But that was, you know, three years ago. So uh, now she's the full on owner and it's it's still there and doing awesome. And they have like a, a paint and sip for adults so you can paint and bring like wine and stuff. And then for the kids, they have ceramics where you paint like I paint a gnome, which is pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> and then she puts it in the kiln and then uh, glazes it for you and all that good stuff. And that's how you can really spend. We spent a while in there a few hours to kill and we were just painting and doing stuff that you thought 
you know, oh, maybe this is kid stuff, right? It's not. It's still fun. <laughs> it's still fun at this age. So that's a great place to take your kids or if you want to get out and do a paint and sip. That's one of the better spots in, in Holidaysburg, especially if it's raining or something. They're inside. What else? Uh, if you want something active, you can do some yoga. Yes. At Harlequin Pepper Yoga. Um, we we did that. And uh, I'm not sure what all the rates or anything like that is. But if you type in Harlequin Pepper Yoga, you can drop in and do a quick workout or whatever the case may be. I... I did. I, I kind of got embarrassed. Imagine. <laughs> I couldn't do, you know, some of the things that, you know, the owner could do. That's for sure. So if we move up the street a little bit, uh, we're in what they call the diamond there. It's like their little town square. And there are some cool shops down there. Um, there's Fines Consignment. I had a blast in that place. There's just so many different things. There was like a weird painting of a girl that was kind of creepy <laughs> so we'd have to drag you out of there you're having way too much fun i know but like they, they <laughs> even had like little marionette you know puppets they had dishes they had weird lanterns from like the olden days uh something you'd use in a zombie apocalypse i assume like they had pretty much everything you could possibly think of at that place yeah they have a a little bit of everything a huge variety what else? There's music stores in that area. There's a chocolate shop. Mm-hmm. There's boutiques. There's yeah. jewelry shops. I mean, it's a nice little downtown area. Mm-hmm. And a little sporting goods store. Yeah, sporting goods store. You could definitely uh, get yourself lost down there for an afternoon. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. And before we complete our tour of Holidaysburg, uh, I think we should say where you can stay overnight. And my personal favorite place in that whole area is the Mimosa Bed and Breakfast. Have you been there before? Uh, I have not. I didn't make it to that part of shooting. Okay. So it's a bed and breakfast that they have themed rooms. Uh, They went to Ireland, I guess, a lot. And they have like an Irish room. They have uh, two other ones. I can't recall what they are right now, but... They're all unique and different and they're really cool. And then they serve you breakfast and their common area downstairs uh, is just really cool. He he makes his own home lighting. So they're like shoes that have like uh, like a pipe coming out of it. And then at the top will be a light bulb or something like that. Just all kinds huh. of different, you That's know, really cool. different lighting that you won't see anywhere else. They have a screen and porch area and then they have the mimosa tree in the backyard. You thought it was named for the drinks, but it wasn't, (laughs) even though, even though they have mimosas there. So (laughs) you can go out, chill out in their little courtyard area. And it's really strange. Um, Whenever you like, you're walking by and you see house, 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 and then you see this open courtyard area. There's something about that. That's just really neat to me. I don't know why. That is cool. It's just something you don't think you'd see there. And with all the buildings being so old, I have no idea how old that building is. But they actually have a handbook of people who signed in. And it's really, it's really old. Yeah. And you can see who stayed there and all kinds of stuff. Oh, so it's not like just a bed and breakfast. It was like a little mini hotel at, at one point. Don't ask me these questions. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I got into in my research. But, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, actually, actually, their entire uh, story is on their website. So go check, check that out. out. Yeah. But there, there are a lot of bed and breakfasts in the area and some, you know, regular hotels like what there's. Well, it used to be Motel 6. It's now a red yeah. roof or something like that. I mean, they're the chains and you can stay in those in the area. But I recommend something with character like that. Yeah, something with a little bit of local flair to it. And the lighting. It you just can't beat the lighting. <laughs> the I'll have to go and see the lighting. Yeah, well, you can watch my little snippet under the videos tab on my Facebook page if you really want to. It, cool. It's it's like a a cow skull, like a steer on top of a crutch, on top of like a keyboard. I or a typewriter. I can't remember exactly what it is. But you know, there's, the people there's who a are lot just of listening, elements. The people who are just listening cannot see the confused face I'm making. Is that all in one? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, if Let's you guys see. if you guys want to see it, go onto the Facebook page and see it cuz it's really awesome. I thought it was the coolest awesome. one of the coolest lights I've ever seen. I need to ask them if I could buy that one. That's neat. So, anyway, I mean, what else from Holidaysburg can you think of? before we let people go here goodness just that it's a, a place with a lot of really fascinating and sometimes hidden history uh, but it's also got a really cool community spirit uh, it's got a lot of people who who care about their connection to the past um, and you can kind of see that preserved all over the place when you don't even really expect it you, know, you walk three feet and you're in a building from the 1840s and with people who are, you know, using it maybe for modern purposes, like the like the bed and breakfast, but um, still respectful and aware of the fact that, you know, it's this really old thing and this really strong connection to the past. So I think with Holidaysburg, you get the, the modern and the fun and the good food and the, the updates and the twist on, you know, the little small town culinary experience. But but you also get that steeped in history, that culture. And I think it's it's cool to have both, you know, a foot in the, the past and a foot in the present. Yeah, I like that about that, too. And there's just a lot that's, you know, packed into one small area. Yeah. Like you think borough, you think pass through, right? right. Oh, this is something it's off the highway. I'm not going to get off. I'm just going to keep going because it's little. There's not one nothing horse there. down. Yeah, but it's not. That's not how it is. Right. And when you combine that with other parts of the area, Altoona, for example, uh, if you want to go check out the other, um, I think it was our first episode was about Altoona because that's where I'm from. And I think you can make an excellent weekend trip out of it. It doesn't even have to be a day trip. You could day trip to Holidaysburg, but I think yeah. the entire area can be an entire weekend. I mean, even Canoe Creek alone could be a weekend by itself. So, And just that too, you have like, the city experience and the food. And I mean, downtown Holidaysburg has a really nice art gallery too. Um, and the shopping, but then you go like 10 minutes and you're in the woods. Mm -hmm. So you really get both of those experiences, which is really cool. It's got literally something for everyone. I agree with that statement. That's for sure. Or actually something for everyone. See, I'm the teacher here. <laughs> 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 well, Amy, thank you for being on with us and sure. telling everybody about the area. Um, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of good information out of this for their day trip at some point. 
So thanks for being here. So thanks for having me. It was fun to talk about all of it. Sure. And travelers, be sure to tune in for the next one. I have no idea what it's going to be because this is our first one back after a year and I'm lining up guests. So if you want to be a guest yourself, just contact us and let me know about your area, the things to do, the places to see, all that stuff. If you can talk about it for a while and you can give some detail about it. And if you're a local expert, I want to have you on the show. So please be sure to reach out. I truly apologize for being so rusty. Uh, The next episode and further episodes will be much better than this. Uh, But until then, we'll see you later.